title of the message is Seven Words That Change Everything. Seven Words That Change Everything. I'm going to tell you those words in just a little bit here, but think about it in the culture today, how much people want to know about their identity. I mean, you think about it, 20 million people have put a blob of their spit in a container and they mail it off, right? They mail it off, blob of spit in their container and so they can get an email and learn about their ancestry through Ancestry.com there. So we can find out where we're from. People have a heightened uh, passion to know where they're from here. We want to know, uh, and of course there's a wild card to find out things that you didn't know about yourself, but central to our identity is really where are you from? So you want to know about your family history. So what happened to me is I got a box of, of pictures when my dad had passed away, and I never really looked through them, but I decided when I was on study break, I want to look at some of the pictures of my family. And I found out people in the family, I didn't even know they were my family. So here they are right here. Here's one. This is Johnny Walker. That's my great-grandfather, of no relation to the whiskey production there. Uh, but this is Johnny Walker, my great-grandfather. This is my great-grandmother, Cora Spangler. Cora Spangler there. She doesn't look very happy, does she? She doesn't look happy. And then here is my great-great-grandfather, the Reverend G.L. Tracy, a revivalist preacher on the East Coast, who I'd heard about, but I never knew what he looked like there until just this past month. Actually, it was just about a week ago that I discovered that picture and learning about my ancestry, talking to me about my identity. And so all of us have this desire here. And I believe that today, God wants us in this room here to to have something spoken over our lives that really could potentially change everything about you could change everything about you. So I want to turn your attention to Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read a few verses there. If you would stand with me for the public reading of the scripture, Matthew chapter 16, reading through verse 13 through 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So you may be seated. So Jesus asked this defining question here, and then he makes, watch, then after he asked that question, then he makes this defining declaration over his life and tells him, this is who you are. You are Petros, a rock. And so here's Jesus, and he come up to him, and immediately after he shows up, what he does is he defines a new identity over Peter's life. He says this, Peter, like, you're the rock in my story. Peter, you, you have a future with me. Peter here, you've got a seat at my table here. You're going to be a player in my kingdom. You're going to be a little stone in the big story. Peter, this is who you are. And so and God wants us to walk out of the building today 
with really a clear understanding about our identity of who God says that you are. Your identity really is, it's not just hung up in the labels that have been spoken over you, that you're unwanted, that you're unworthy, that you're a failure there, that you're addicted, that you know, you're a three-time whatever. And so imagine, imagine the power, if we could throw off the labels of the past there and live as God says that you are. That would change everything. So, I don't get to see a lot of movies because, truth be told, I fall asleep in the movies. So my wife is always like this. I'm sitting right here. My wife is like this. And watching me to see when I'm going to fall asleep. So I said, I want to go see Lion King. She says, why do you want to see Lion King? I said, because I know it's going to be amazing. She says, you're going to fall asleep? I says, no, I'm not going to fall asleep. So I went to Lion King, and I loved it. And I wanted to talk to you about, I felt so inspired by Lion King because it bespeaks of the power of identity. Let me unpack. How many people have seen Lion King? All right, was it good? Okay, it's a blockbuster here. Everybody needs to see it here. So one of the storylines is this. It's that Simba, Simba has spoken over his life by his evil, sinister uncle, Scar. And Scar tells him, he says, it's you, basically you killed your father. And so Simba then begins to live with this here, and life happens to him, and the future king begins to live with an identity that someone else spoke over his life. It started when he's a little cub there, and he's innocent, and he's listening, and he believed Scar, he believed the sinister voice spoken over his life, which was utterly damaging to his future. So one voice, one voice begins to shape his life, and he lives trapped inside that identity that was spoken over him. So Simba then saw his father suffer a fatal accident there. He believes the light, and now he thinks he's responsible for his father's death. So this is a life-shaping, damaging moment, a life-shaping, damaging moment that he experiences there. And Simba walks away. Simba walks away from who he is. He's the heir apparent to the throne. He's going to be the king of the jungle there. But he loses sight of all that. And now, watch, he's clothed in lion skin, but he has the mind of a warthog eating bugs. The king is eating bugs there. You can see it on the old Lion King there. He adopts a mindset of his new friends that can be summarized in the song, Hakuna Matata, you know what I'm talking about, Hakuna Matata. And so he's singing that song, and he totally forgets who he is, has no idea who he is. There he's eating bugs there. The carnivore turned insectivore, eating little insects and bugs there. You must remember who you are. That's not the identity that you're living in, and I feel this message is that. Is that if you're a Christ follower, you must remember who you are. So we're going to talk about that here. Finally, Simba there hears this voice from above, and his eyes are open. And he gets this revelation here from his father, the words that, that land in his heart, and awakens him to the reality of who he is. And I think for many Christ followers, that's a journey that we need to take, that we need to have words that would land in our hearts and awaken us to the reality of who we are. Because here's what I know to be true about you this morning. 
Whatever your identity is of yourself, whatever your identity is, you live out of that identity. You just live out of it all the time. The Bible puts it this way. As a man, a woman thinks in their heart, so are they. You live out of your identity there. And so I think that Simba's story, the Lion King story, it intersects with our story. It speaks of our story in that you make a mistake like Simba did. You screw up. You experience failure there. You do something or something is said to you or over you. And those words then begin to shape your identity. I can remember when I was playing sports in high school. I was playing baseball and played on a great team. And one time in the game, uh, I got a hit and ran to first base and hit it out to to right field. And after the game of the debrief, the, the coach says, so Colin's got a hit said, where, where was the hit to? It's not good enough to get a hit. Where was the hit to? Uh, right field, coach. Oh, you swung late. And those words just stuck with me. I can't play baseball. I swung late. Sometimes people just say simple words over you, and those words begin to shape who you are there. So I want to take a look at the, the Gospel of Matthew again, and this encounter that Peter and the disciples had with Jesus there, and unpack that a little bit here, because Jesus begins to ask them at Caesarea Philippi, where there is this God Pan, who was the deity of the day there. And so he kind of dominated the, the spiritual landscape of Caesarea Philippi. And so Jesus says to them, he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Not Pan, but the Son of Man. And so then he narrows the question. And then he says, and they say, hey, you're like John the Baptist, that funny guy, Elijah, you're a prophet. But then he nails the question down, says, but who do you say that I am? Before he ever gives the identity shaping statement, he says, who do you say that I am? This defining question. And Peter pop, pops up, pipes up, says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Like high five, right on, Peter, you got it. And then Jesus answered, blessed are you, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven, no one showed you this, God has showed you that truth here. And so now, before he speaks of the true view that they need of themselves, they need to have a true view of God. See, before your identity is shaped, that God who shapes your identity wants you to have the right uh, understanding and knowledge of who he is here. You just can't grab whatever view of God that you want here and make him what you want him to be. So this is what Jesus does to Peter. He says, my father revealed this to you and your eyes are truly opened to see who I am. Now watch, watch, watch. Now that dominoes, that dominoes into him then, uh, this cascading domino, then understanding who he is in light of the God that speaks his identity. And I believe that these two powerful truths, okay, working together in your life, will unlock the labels that have been spoken over your life that then shape who you are. And so, verse 18, after Peter recognizes you are God, and he has that straight, then Jesus says, you are Peter. So do we see what has happening here? Back in John 1, 42, Jesus said when he first met him, you're Simon, and they're going to call you Cephas. That was a prophetic statement there. He was speaking of the future there. He says, your name is Little Rock there, but upon me, 
the rock of the ages, upon me, the cornerstone of all cornerstones, upon me, the rock, the church will be built. So the gates of hell. But Peter, you're going to be a player. Peter, you have a date with destiny. Peter, you're, you're a little rock in my story. Peter, you're going to be a stone in the kingdom of, of God's mighty work. Peter, I'm, I'm choosing you to be a part of this journey here. So he spoke then <clears throat> this prophetic sense, speaking the truth over his life here. So he said later, I'm calling you, I'm choosing you, I'm defining you, I'm shaping you and who you're going to be in my great story. And so what about you? What about our identity this morning? What about the forces and the things which have shaped your identity? The chair you're sitting in this morning, I like to unpack those for us because our identity is shaped by many things. And then I'm going to drill down on what God, the identity that God has spoken over you. How about our past? Very many people here, you think like your identity is shaped by your past? Yes, of course, your identity is shaped by your past, by your family, by your history, by your name, by your, your experiences there. Uh, for some, it's a shaped by the past of medical diagnosis there. But our past is very much an identity-shaping part of our journey there. How about your position? Do you think your position then, when you, you talk to people and they say, well, what is it that you do? Well, I'm a nurse. I work in retail. I'm a PE teacher. I'm a school counselor. I'm a professor. I'm a mom. I'm a physician's assistant, whatever. That is, you know, we equate our position, our occupation with our identity. <clears throat> but truth be told, it is so much more than that. God is wanting to break in with a, a big news story that your identity is so much more than your position. We get limited in life by our positions and thinking that's who we are. What about your gifting? Do you think your gifting becomes your identity? Hey, let me introduce you to so-and-so. They're an amazing artist. This person, they're, they're an awesome musician. They're a, they're a great athlete. And, and our, so much our gifting tends to identify who we are there. And so they're so good at, at this, and, and we get defined by what we're good at. What about our failures? Do you think we're identified by our failures? Oh, you're a three-time, oh, I, I see, I see. Uh, you're a recovering, you're, your failure, failures identify you. Oh, you're on your fourth whatever. And failure is defined, oh, you failed. Oh, you dropped out. Oh, she dumped you. And that begins to define who you are. And so we, we have in the Bible, a gentleman named Doubting Thomas, defined for all time by being a doubter there, defined by his failure there. And so, uh, and so this is what happens to us. We have then also the aspect, the flip side, you do get defined by your success. You do get defined by your success. You think about the success of King David, defeating a giant. And today when we say David, we say David and. We don't say David and Bathsheba, but that defined him too. But the dominant memory we have and is now is it defined by the success. Oh, this is a three-time NBA champion, a Hall of Famer, a two-time Super Bowl champion. They had a successful career in whatever. And so we do define ourselves and gain our identity by our success and our failures here. How about our feelings? 
Do our feelings ever tend to define us? You wake up feeling a certain way and you are, you're in a bad mood. You're in a bad mood there. So you wake up in the morning and however you feel that day can begin to shape your identity. I think for others, what about our friends? Do our friends shape our identity? Do our associations shape our identity? Especially when you're young. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future when you're young there. And so if you're a student there, so it's extremely important to keep friends in your, your inner circle there that reminds you really of who you are before God there. And so what about, what about others? Do others define us? Do others define us? Yeah, others define us. It's crazy how others define us. Other people put labels on us and other people shape our identity. We give them way more power. Way, way, way more power than we should. And I want to suggest to you, I'm going to illustrate it this way, but I want to suggest to you that this is how you live. I want to suggest to you that everybody in here, to a certain degree, this is how you live. Okay, this is how you live. Would you just say something about me? Just say, just write, just write a few words about me. Maybe put one of those little heart things on there when you do that too. Okay, <laughs> little heart things. So we give people all the time power to speak words over our lives here. So what we do is we want to ask them, um, and comment on me a little bit there too. Okay, comment, yeah, comment. Okay, and um, if, and do some of those likes. Give me, give me a like. Okay. And so, and then social media, it's absolutely crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I think every time we post something, you know what we're doing? This is what we're doing when we post something. We, we post something and we say, um, tell me what you think of me. Tell me what you think of me. And uh, I hope you like me. In fact, did you see the picture? I was out with my kids there having dinner together. And uh, tell them what a good dad I am. Okay, put that down there. What a, what a good, if you could just comment about that. So every time, literally, we do some kind of social media thing, we're allowing other people, we're allowing other people here to, uh, in fact, I'm going to do, do a couple here. And they can both comment on me and tell them what they think about me there. Do you think, do you think in a cult, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Completely crazy. Do you think how crazy it is that we let everybody else and social media define for us who we are? How crazy is that? Especially if you want to follow God and you want to be a God, a Christ follower, and you're all day long, all day long, I'm just giving people, asking them, would you tell me, would you would you please tell me who I am and talk, talk about the message a little bit today too. Okay, yeah, talk about the and, and I'm asking people to define for me who I am all day, all, all the time there. So how crazy is that that we let other people, and I want to say this, that we give others way too much power in our lives to define who we are. We do. We, we let others in. We create, we create our best online self and shadow, you know, photoshopped versions of reality and all that. And hey, bro, hey, bro, man, you look cut. You look cut. Hey, girl, man, I can tell you've been working out there. And uh, man, I, I, do you like my new outfit? Can you comment? I want to get some likes on my new outfit here. Hey, you look like fire, girl. 
You look like fire girl. So please comment, you know, and tell, tell me I'm a good dad. Tell me I'm a good mom here. Please, if you would, please, please, please. Some people, you know, they say, hey, I went to church today. Oh, great, you went to church today. That's awesome. So, but listen, listen, I'm telling you that we're giving others way too much power over who we are. Giving way too much power. And so, um, so do you think also that the enemy, that there is an enemy there's an enemy that can shape your identity. Okay, do you think that our, identi- our identity gets affected there, that that could be part of the equation? I mean, he would say, hey, I've even got video evidence to back up what I'm going to say about you, you loser. You drop out. You're guilty. You defective compromiser, you. And so sometimes the worst, defend- the worst definer of our identity is me, is you. The worst definer of your identity can be you. Uh, you. You speak to yourself there. And so, so many things that are allowed to shape our identity. But I want to suggest to you that we sang a song this morning that that should be what defines us. I am who you say that I am. And that changes everything. If you get that reality in your life, watch, watch. I'm not the, what, the position that I am. That's not my, that does not define me. My gifts don't define me. My failures don't define me. My feelings don't define me. Not even my success doesn't define me. What others say about me doesn't define me. The guy down the street, my neighbor, Joe Blow, he doesn't get to define me here. Definitely the devil doesn't get to define me. I am who you say that I am. Simba, Simba, you must remember who you are. Jesus says, you are Peter, you're the rock. And so, see, we need to let God define who we are. A couple other verses here. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Not in your notes, but look at the screens. We see what great love the Father has lavished over us. That we should be called the sons, the children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. And so, verse 2. Dear friends, we are already God's children. That is who that we are here. And so Peter, who would be a definer uh, of Jesus there, in three verses after Jesus says who he is, uh, he, he ends up failing there. And Jesus will circle back and say, Peter, feed my sheep. You broke down on me in the biggest moment there, but I'm choosing you to lead my cause here, to tell the world about who I am. But you must understand who you are in me here. So we are the children of God. So, and then in Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16, we're talking here about an epic, seismic event, a revolutionary statement here. And it says this, whatever you were called, whatever label has been put on you, whatever label you put on yourself, through the work of Christ and your faith in him, the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit comes in and invades our lives. And, and his spirit makes real and to our spirit that we have this identity, a new Godward identity that we have a father, a perfect heavenly father, and we're his loved children. Romans 8:15. Instead, 
You've received God's spirit where he's adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. That was a, uh, on the streets of the day, the common phraseology to Father was Abba, Abba. Abba's home, Abba. And so verse 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And so this morning, you're not who other people say you are. You're not defined by your failures. You're not defined by your success. You're not defined by your likes and your hearts and, all, and the summation of all the comments. That is not who you are. You are who Christ says that you are. I'm a daughter of Almighty God. That's who I am. I'm a son of Almighty God. You have a perfect father. A perfectly, you're a perfectly loved son. And so you may have dysfunctional parents, but your heavenly father is not dysfunctional. You get your identity uh, there, rooted in that. And so your ID is that you're the son. You're a prized daughter, a treasured daughter. I am the son of the king of the ages here. Not a failure, not a reject, not unwanted, not defective and not deficient here. I am not the accumulation of all of my accomplishments. I am not the sum total of other people's opinions. I am who you say that I am. I'm not who others say that I am. I'm not the accumulation of all the likes and all the hearts and all the comments. I am a brand new creation in Christ. I am free. I am chosen. I am adopted. I am holy. I am loved. I am forgiven. I'm not forsaken. I am in God's family and he chose me. I am with God and God is with me. And I am a little stone in a big story. A story bigger than me and and God has spoken over me. He has chosen me, and he has defined me, and he has invited me into his grand story. This is who I am. Simon means listening. Simon, are you listening? God wants to put you in the story today. God wants to heal you and set you free from every label and every name and every fear except the name Loved daughter. Loved son. I wonder like Simba, that when Simba embraced the words from above, changed his identity and changed his destiny. What about us? If we would embrace the words, God's words, it'll change your identity and change your destiny. And then you begin to live out of who God says you are when you embrace the defining truth of who I am and begin to live them out. Would you stand to your feet and close your eyes? And Father, I pray that your words would resonate in our hearts and your words would define who we are. And who am I that the highest king would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in. Always his love for me. Who the sun sets free is free indeed because I'm a child of God. And in my father's house, I am totally accepted. There is a place for me. I'm a child of God. 
And that's who I am. I am I'm chosen and I'm not forsaken. I'm forgiven. I am who you say that I am. A God who is for me and not against me. I am who you say that I am. Amen.